So today is the auspicious Guru Purnim, the full moon of the Guru, as it's called, and while this particular day in my experience is not per se considered a such a holy day in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. The fact that uh, it was on this day that Sanatana Goswami left the world has has made it worshipable in particular for Gaudiyas, Gaudiya Vaishnavas. Otherwise, Hindus worship the Guru on this day. And... Uh, we teach that the Guru should be worshipped every day. Not that other branches or forms of Hinduism or Sanatana Dharma don't don't also teach that necessarily. But again, I haven't seen that this Guru Purnima in and of itself is uh, marked off on the Gaudiya calendar, but more so if at all, because of Sanatana Goswami's disappearance that happened in this day some few hundreds of years ago in Vrindavan. At any rate, it's suspicious on both uh, counts. Why not? A full new moon for the Guru. <laughs> As there are uh, full moons for the appearances of the various incarnations of the Lord as well. So, we celebrate Guru Purnim and more so Sanatana Goswami's disappearance. And so I'd like to begin the discussion of Sanatana Goswami with uh, the reading of a verse written by Rabbanat Das Goswami, which appears in his Vilap Kusamanjali. Sanatana, uh, excuse me, uh, Raghunathas Goswami says, Vairagya Yuga Bhakti Rasam Prayatnayar Apayayam Mam Anabhipsamandham Kripambuddhirdhya Paradukkadukhi Sanatamastam Prabhu Mahasrayami This prayer, Raghunathas Goswami is writing, offering his uh, obeisances to Sanatana Goswami. This is again in Vilapkusmanjali, which is a very high book of Raghunathas Goswami was written on the banks of Radhakund where he was living in the very later stages of his uh, appearance in this world um, having had the company of Surup Damodar and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Jagannath Puri as we have been recently reading he was with great effort he came to Jagannath Puri and got the shelter of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, it was apparent from that description that he was uh, oblivious to um, bodily c- concerns. And um, he went through the back roads and jungles and farmlands rather than the main road from uh, his uh, residence in, in Bengal to reach Puri and attain the, the shelter of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates. With, uh, he was uh, very eager for this, and the eagerness of Raghunath Das Goswami is really what we um, mean when we speak of eagerness for spontaneous devotion or braj bhakti, rag bhakti. He, we consider to be the standard uh, example for that. <clears throat> so, real Raghunuga bhakti. It's Raghunuga Bhakti that's engaged in with it with it, with some with some taste. It's a generous to call those without taste who are interested in it Raghunuga Bhaktas. Jiva calls them Jata Ajata Ruchi 
without taste, Raghunubhava. So we shall consider ourselves such and accept the generosity of of uh, our previous charges, but understand all this uh, culture of Rag Bhakti, such a high thing in, in perspective. So, uh, here, uh, now, Raghunath Das Goswami has passed through with Puri Leela. Mahabrabhu has left the world. He was under the care of Surup Damanar. Surup Damanar left the world. He went to Vrindavan with the thought of giving up his life, like jumping from Govardhan Hill or something like that, some form of Vaishnav uh, suicide, which is uh, some form of uh, expression of ecstasy and madness. But, of course, when he got there, Rupa and Sanat and Goswamis were still there. And it is not mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita that uh, Raghunathas Goswami was present in Jagannath Puri when Rupa Goswami came there to visit, when Sanatana Goswami came there to visit. So it's quite possible that this was the first time that he had their company, the company of Rupa and Sanatana Goswamis, after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu disappeared, after Rupa Damodar disappeared. And what he found there in Sanatana Goswami and Rupa Goswami was the very, uh, in his own words, uh, reappearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. In other words, they, they fully embodied Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings. So he had no cause to give up his life. He had regained Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's association in the form of Rupa Sanatana Goswami. So there he further practiced, engaged in Krishna consciousness under their direction. And um, now he's writing here in his Vilapakusa Manjali, and by this time, Rupa and Sanatana Goswami have left the world. And he's residing, as I say, on the banks of the Radhakund, and he's entering into a trance of his spiritual identity in the Braj Leela and, and coming out, going in and coming out, going in and coming out. That indicates to us that his meditation was not uh, entirely uh, fixed at that time on his spiritual identity. <clears throat> of course, he's an example of the one of the Lord's eternal associates teaching us about uh, spiritual practice and uh, attainment through his example. But he was in a very advanced stage of devotional service and still his meditation was coming and going. You follow? So there are five stages of meditation mentioned by uh, Jiva Goswami. Uh, smarnam is the overall category, and within Smarnam, he says, Smarnam, Dharnam, Dhyan, Duvanu Smriti, and Samadhi. Smarna means remembering and and then not being able to remember. And dharna means uh, that, uh, what, the uh, removing obstacles to remembering. Hmm. And thus one's remembrance is improved. And then, um, what did I say next? Dhyan means actual meditation for extended periods of, of, of time. And Dhruvanu Smriti, uh, Dhruva means like fixed, so that, that remembrance, Anu Smriti, is, is fixed, uninterrupted, and then Samadhi. So this uninterrupted stage of meditation on one's spiritual identity, this is the stage in which one attains that in, in, in Bhava Bhakti. It's called Swarup Siddhi. You may say maybe Dhyan, Asakti, Ruvan Smriti, Swarup Siddhi, corresponding with Swarup Siddhi, and uh, Samadhi with, um, what is it called, Vastu Siddhi, entering into the boat of the Lord. Swarup Siddhi means meditating on the Leela and in one's identity and participating in that while in this body. And then 
that continues on to even entering into the uh, next life in Krishna Lila, and from there, Vastu Siddhi. So, my point here to you is that these stages of meditation, beginning with what might be called simple remembrance, to um, removing obstacles for remembering, to um, actual um, uh, meditation, to uninterrupted meditation, to to samadhi, don't necessarily um, indicate that the beginning stages of this smarnam on one's spiritual identity are um, something that's taken up in stages less than the having acquired a taste for devotional service, ruchi, or nishta at least, and asakti, and so on and so forth. Do you follow? This is something we can draw from Raghunath Das Goswami's example. The fellow's recently written to me with some argument like this. Bhaktivinoda Thakur speaks about these five stages of meditation and uh, on one's spiritual identity. And obviously the first one is is um, something that's not it's simple re- remembrance so this must be something that we can do in, in much in the lower stages of of bhakti rather than in in only in ruchi or asakti because asakti is characterized as being uh, one's fixation in meditation is, is uninterrupted but this is not the understanding of Bhakti Vinod Thakur's teachings, as explained by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who mentions the stages, uh, these stages in relation to Chaturuchi Raghunuga Bhakti in his commentary in Nukadashamrita. So, um, sorry, but that's been on my mind. <clears throat> and it comes up here, uh, came to my mind, uh, in relation to um, the example of Raghunath Das Goswami. Again, sitting on the banks of Radhakun, he's entering the meditation, he's coming out, he's entering, he's coming out. And this is very, uh, he's very advanced, uh, exhibiting the, the uh, illustrating the example of a very advanced devotee at this stage. And so this, from this, in this book, which very describes his experience in this way, He's offering his obeisances to Sanatana Goswami, so what he must have gained from Sanatana Goswami. I had mentioned some time uh, a few days back that Sanatana Goswami was the leader of the renunciates, the most, uh, what did I say, renounced or something like that. And Dagwind asked me uh, that, that we read about the renunciation of Das Goswami in Chaitanya Charitamrita. It's very extreme. It would seem like he was the most renounced. We don't read about Sanatana Goswami's standard of renunciation. It's not underscored as is that of Raghunathas Goswami's, who was, as I said, different from us in that what? We give our remnants to the cows, and he ate the remnants of the cows of Jagannath's Prashadam. So, still, <coughs> what can he say? The standard of their renunciation, all of them, was was uh, was um, Terrifying to us. Once uh, Bujapachidomaraj was speaking about the early days in his uh, moth, where it was a moth in spirit only, but there was no temple constructed, and and he was just living there uh, on the land, practically enduring the elements. Uh, and he was describing about it, and one of my godbrothers said. We are stunned to hear this. And Shidamar said, Stoned. You are stoned. <laughs> and all the devotees, of course, laughed because that has a certain meaning in the Western world. <laughs> but Shidamar said, Stoned. Stoned. You mean uh, petrified. Petrified. Because this petrification means that when like, wood turns to stone, <laughs> so you become like stone. Hmm? Or petrified. By hearing this, tolerating the heat and cold and, uh, and good and bad and so forth, understanding all these things, so just be 
products of the mind, uh, wedded to the senses and, and the sense objects uh, one should tolerate and, and so forth. So we said, uh, we said yes, we're, we're petrified, stoned, <laughs> to hear this uh, standard of your renunciation. He once said that the standard of the renunciation of the Goswamis was such that it amounted to something like drilling holes in stones, in gems, in order to make a garland out of them. They were to make a, a necklace out of stones, out of diamonds. Uh, you have to drill a hole in them. He said, so their renunciation is like drilling a hole in all these stones. And what they've left for us to do is put the thread through. That such standards of renunciation that they exhibited are not necessary for us. They've made it, you know, he said, they made it easy for us. We have to be renounced. We have to, obviously, forego the call of the mind and the body when it dictates to us something other than what will be favorable or conducive or progressive in uh, our approach to spiritual practice. But we're not taught that that um, we have to eat the remnants of the Lord's prashad after given to the cows. Of course, we can give, to, we should start a practice of offering the feast to the cows after the deities, and then we'll take This way, we'll follow Raghunath Das Goswami <laughs> standard in, a, in, a, in an edited form. So at any rate, they were all great uh, renunciates, and we are certainly petrified to hear the standard of their renunciation, but here, he whose, resi- whose renunciation is underscored in Chaitanya Charitamrita is offering his tribute, his pranam, his obeisances to Sanatan Goswami and says that he, uh, what does this verse say? I was unwilling to drink the nectar of devotional service possessed of renunciation. So these things to go, to go together, renouncing on the one side and drinking the nectar on the other. It says, I was, uh, unwilling to drink the nectar of, the, of, of devotional service, possessed of renunciation. In other words, to take that bitter pill of renunciation that's required in order to taste that. But, and already he was very renounced in Puri. Now, under the care of Sanatana Goswami, we don't know what happened to him. <laughs> How much more renounced he must have been. What was the standard, in other words, of Sanatana Goswami's Renunciation. If Das Goswami says, after arriving in Vrindavan, I was unwilling to drink this uh, nectar of devotion possessed of renunciation, but Sanatana Goswami, out of his causeless mercy, he made me drink it, even though I was otherwise unable to do so. <coughs> so, the renunciation, my point is, of Sanatana Goswami is off the books. <laughs> cannot even imagine what it was. In a more simplistic way, in a way that which we can talk about it also, um, we can understand that renunciation and its value and its standard will be somewhat relative to what we have to renounce. Nas Goswami, no doubt, was wealthy. He was lived in a very wealthy family, as we heard from Chaitanya Charitamrita. But he did not have the position in the society that Sanatana Goswami had. Sanatana was wealthy. And um, and he was he had the wealth of learning, as as well. Uh, das Goswami was from a Kayasta family, uh, whereas uh, which is a Sudra Varna, and kind of a glorified uh, Sudra status like Ramananda Roy, Babananda Roy and his family and so forth. Sanatana Goswami was from a high class uh, Saraswat Brahman, Gaur Saraswat. Brahmin lineage from South India. Although he himself was born in Bengal, his father moved from South India there. He was very, very learned, very sophisticated person. And um, he became um, associated with the um, ruling powers of Bengal at the time, which were not Hindu but Muslim. And um, he accepted a position in the Muslim government, which was uh, tantamount to being the um, the vice governor, if you will. In other words, when the governor, uh, Nawab Hussein said he was governor or something, king, 
of Bengal. I mean, he was he was whatever area, not is it Nawab Hussain Saw was in charge of. Like Chand Kazi, who interfered with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Sankirtan and Navadweep, was like a mayor under the jurisdiction of Nawab Hussain Saad. He had a huge jurisdiction. I don't know if he was a governor or he was a king or what he was, but he had a huge jurisdiction. My point is that when he went out of station, when he left to go traveling to conquer other lands or whatever it may be, it was Sanatana Goswami who was in charge. So he was like the vice president, if you will, second in charge. So not only was he learned and well-to-do, but in terms of power and influence, he had a very, very high position. And he left all of this. He renounced all of this. For what? To follow Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who was uh, traveling mendicant, a beggar, begging people to take love of God. And based on that occupation of begging he, he got his, his 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 sustenance to continue to do the same. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu met with Rupa and Sanatana Goswami the first time that from Puri, where he had already where he was already a sannyasi and had already gone to South India and preached and his his uh, campaign was sending ripples across India. He had converted Sarvabhumbhata Charja to his uh, Nam Dharma and the king of Orissa had converted and was following him. South India conquests were great. Uh, the uh, Sri Vaishnavas in South India were uh, the head Pujari, which is a big, big position there. Venkata Bhatta was converted to uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Gopal Bhatta, his son, was scooped up there, faith captured. Um, so it was after this that he sought to go to Vrindavan and he went via Nadia or Bengal, West Bengal, and there in Ramkeli he met the two brothers, Rupa and Sanatan. I believe that they had written him a letter. They had heard about him. It's like Purvarag in Krishna Leela. Before meeting the gopis, before Krishna, before the gopis meet Krishna, they've fallen in love with him from hearing about him. It's already happened. He's so charming. So they had been charmed by hearing about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's activities. They wrote a letter to him. Mahaprabhu wrote a letter back. And he told them to be patient. He told them that you should keep yourself just like a lady who is married but has a lover. In order to make sure that she's not found out that her illicit love affair can continue to flourish, she acts at home as if more devoted, in, in a more devoted way than she would otherwise, so as not to be uh, called into suspicion. So this way he was saying, you stay with the, uh, your government position and nurture your relationship with me, but don't let on about it, otherwise there could be great trouble for you there. This is the political situation. They could have been beheaded or something. Uh, so um, this was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's advice. But when he came there, then he met with them. And he changed their names. He gave them the names Rup and Sanatan and uh, advised them further and proceeded on in an attempt to go to Vrindavan, which was unsuccessful. He returned to Puri and then again he went to Vrindavan. And by that time, Rupa Goswami had extricated himself from the government service and Sanatan Goswami had attempted uh, to do so, but was incarcerated. Uh, he, his raging love for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the Bhagwat, which is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, Leela is, is all about, Radha's love for Krishna, he had such love for that, he was so absorbed in that, that it over, 
it overtook him. And, and um, he neglected his duties to the state when the Nawab Hussein saw was out of station. And uh, when the Nawab returned and ordered Sanatan to come, he couldn't come. He was too absorbed in the Bhagavatam. He used to sit with many pundits and discuss Srimad Bhagavatam. As I've said before, he was the most learned of all the Goswamis in Srimad Bhagavatam. And his book, Brihat Bhagavatamrita, the first Gaudiya Vaishnava book, um, really, on Srimad Bhagavatam, it's a seminal work of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So, he was found out, and uh, he, 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 he couldn't come. He tried to follow Mahaprabhu's order, but uh, I guess he got caught <laughs> at a certain point. His, his devotion to the government, and, and his, it wasn't meant to be an instruction forever. That you'll stay there forever, but bide your time, something like that. So, anyway, he was incarcerated, and um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to know uh, about this, due to his, his omniscience, and he informed Rupa Goswami when they met at Prayag about the condition of Sanatana Goswami and assured him that soon he, he will be coming. And so Sanatana Goswami found a way to get free from the uh, incarceration of the Nawab Hussein Sah, and from this, of course, we learn that, uh, as an example of that famous English adage, if there's a will, there's a way. So we should conduct ourselves in devotional service like this. If there's a will, then there's a way. So the way may be difficult. There may be obstacles. But if there's a will for that, and that will will be nourished by hearing, by association. If there's a will, we allow ourselves to be in a position where that will be nourished, and there'll, there'll be a way. We'll find the way. The way will, the reasoning will come to us. The logic will come to us. The fortitude will come to us, the prowess, the power, the what, what, and, 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 and necessity is the mother of invention. If we have a necessity for Krishna consciousness awakened in us by good association, a will for that, then that will uh, give birth to whatever uh, inventive um, ways are uh, necessary to overcome obstacles and, and um, remain in the fold and to, and to pursue the path to the finish. Sanatana Goswami, see, what was his position? He was incarcerated by the... Uh, he was a... Imagine if the vice president um, showed infidelity to the government and... Um, which would... Uh, I mean, and in, in a way that would warrant his imprisonment. It would be difficult for him to get out. So the Nawab uh, had uh, surely a good prison system. But anyway... Sanatan found the way. He preached to the gatekeeper, to the to the prison uh, uh, ward, and uh, the uh, what do they call them? The guard. And, and um, he preached to him based on the Quran. So he knew the Quran. He was a religiously religiously pluralistic at the time. He, uh, the religious currents of the time he was well acquainted with. And so he preached based on the Quran. He took the words of the Quran and tweaked them or twisted them in such a way as to present a case for for his release. <coughs> and he quoted that sophisticated uh, religious presentation, an example of his his uh, broad base of knowledge and understanding. Of the currents, of the religious currents of the time, with uh, with uh, political kind of sensibilities and diplomacy and understanding of the psychology of a guard, guard, um, uh, a prison guard, and so he, in all of this, he showed again his uh, his sophistication, his understanding for psychology, for diplomacy, politics, religion, and so forth. He told them, according to the Quran, what did he say? If you give a, if you assist a person in getting liberation, then you will be liberated. Something that's simplified, something like that. So, translation of Sanatana Goswami, who gave a commentary on the Quran here, in in a way that was um, tapered or tailored to his situation, but perhaps not exactly what the Quran 
meant in its furthest reach um, in that particular statement. He told him, so if you let me out of the prison, give me freedom, release, liberation, then it will uh, also come to you. You'll get salvation, something like that. And as I say, uh, he understood the, the, the psychology of the guard also, and he understood the diplomacy, so he sweetened the whole package with an offer. And, and by the way, on top of that, hmm, besides the fact that you'll get the salvation, liberation, you can live happily in this world as well, because I've got about 10,000 gold coins, and um, you can have them. I think he was more motivated by the gold coin offer and living in this world happily than he was by any idea of future salvation. He had a reservation, though. If I release you and the Nawab Hussein uh, finds out, then will I get salvation? Will I live happily in this world? Uh, so I said, you don't have to worry about that, he said. Here's his diplomacy. He said, you just tell him that you took me out to the river for passing stool and I jumped in and drowned that's all and you'll never they'll never I'll never be seen again so you haven't got to worry and this way he convinced it. the jailkeeper the guard and he was released and then he he moved across the countryside in the dress of a, of a Muslim like a Muslim mystic he uh, had uh, I think one assistant joined him upon his release. And um, when they arrived at the first stopover for spending the night and got, had gotten some distance away from the, the prison itself, an innkeeper uh, they took them in. And um, what happened? Sanatana Goswami uh, asked for... Uh, a room and had nothing to offer, but he, he was granted that. But uh, meanwhile, his assistant had kept a gold coin or two. Hmm? Just kind of thought these things are really kind of more valuable. We can't just give them all away. So he kept a couple gold coins. And meanwhile, the innkeeper had an astrologer, and the astrologer told him that it would tell him about his visitors, and then he would pill for them. He would rob the, his visitors, his, his guests at the inn. The astrologer told him they got, they got a couple of gold coins. So he had been planning to kill them that night and take the gold coins while seeming uh, devoted and giving them a place to stay. But um, somehow, so not to go so nice. Yeah, the innkeeper. <laughs> the innkeeper was so nice that Sanatana Goswami um, came to distrust his motives. It said, Ati Bhakti Lakshan Chora. Too much devotion is a sign of a thief. So, real devotion is not a cheap thing. It doesn't come very easily. So we may see someone and they're full of devotion and so forth. We may become more suspicious. What is the basis of this? Is this real or is, is this just uh, superficial? Is this, does he have another motive in other words, for his devotion. I had plenty of experience of this, some young Indian boys in, um, in India wanting to join the, the ashram, so enthusiastic and, and so forth. And they could be strict brahmacharis for a couple of years, just so that what, their whole motive, of course, was just to get, get to America and, and uh, walk the uh, golden paved streets. Uh, as they would think about it, like heaven. And it is heavenly compared to village life in India. So they kind of looked at it like, yeah, join the army for a couple of years or go to college for four years. And this way, they, this was part of the culture and so forth. So it wasn't that hard for them. They joined, they had a better life even in the ashram. Prashadam regularly and so forth. Maybe even their own room in some cases, whereas they'd sleep in a room with so many people in the village. And, Actually, I didn't have any so much direct experience, but in, 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 since leaving Iskon, like that, but in Iskon had a fair amount of experience like that. <clears throat> so, too much devotion. They would show so much devotion. It's suspect. Once in Puri, I believe it was in Puri, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur came to his mat there. <coughs> and one brahmachari 
his service was pointed out to Saraswati Thakur. But the uh, leader of the moth there pointed it out uh, by way of expressing his suspicion about his motive. He was doing so much service and so enthusiastic and so forth. So Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur called for that brahmachari and said, yes, I understand you're doing very nice service here and taking responsibility in such a big way and so forth. And, and he said, yes, by your mercy, Guru Maharaj, anything, I'm, whatever I'm doing is going on. And he said, all right, though, you have so many responsibilities here, so many things that you're doing. I want you to drop it all and go to Mayapur or Bhagavazar and Calcutta Mott tomorrow. So he was testing him to see. If he was, if it was service that he was doing, or it was something else. If it was service, it means what? Well, I'm doing this at the behest of, or on behalf of, or for the satisfaction of someone of spiritual consequence, the guru, the sadhu. So, he said, yes, I'll go tomorrow. Then Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, no, I changed my mind, you stay here. Hmm? You understand? So he wasn't, he didn't have any other motive. It wasn't that he, all the things he was doing, he was attached, and, and maybe because he was managing and organizing, some money was going in his own pocket, sending it home to the village or something like that. Hmm? These kind of things happen. And similar things happen in, in, in the West. Maybe it has a little bit of a different face which it shows, but... Such things are there. So, he passed the test. Uh, he had some, he had attained some real uh, spirit of devotion. He was really a servant. Hmm? So, Sanatana Goswami saw the devotion to him on the part of the innkeeper, and he suspected. And so, he thought about it, and with his Brahminical mind, he could understand. Ah, uh, my servant has must have kept some gold coins, something, and this fellow has known about it. So, he asked the servant, yes. He said, I have kept one gold coin. So Sanat said, give me that. Was it? Or eight gold coins. He said, no. So he gave him the eight gold coins. And then Sanat took and gave them to the innkeeper. And the innkeeper said, wow, that's nice. He said, I was going to kill you for these tonight, actually. He said, but these saintly qualities and so forth are very extraordinary. That do it. And so now I'm... Very. Uh, he was actually the innkeeper was a was an adira. It is said about the Goswami's dira adira janapriya priyakaro nirmatsaru pujito. They were worshipable. They had no envy. And both the dira and the adira, the the, the ungentle people and the gentle sober people, worshipped them. So here was an adira. But when he actually saw the qualities of Sanatana Goswami, uh, and he became. Uh, truly uh, uh, respectful to him, devoted to him. And the idea of killing him was not any longer in his on, on his uh, books. He would kill anybody, but not a person like this. When he saw what he was like. Meanwhile, Sanatana Goswami also determined that that his um, assistant had had kept one gold coin for himself, something like that. <clears throat> so he sent him away. And then in the morning he moved on. And this way he was moving to find Chaitanya Mahaprabhu across the countryside. He met a, a, a some type of uh, relative along the way. He, he, he went to this place and got a night there. And seeing his, I uh, forget the relationship, but seeing his relative, this fellow, offered Sanatana Goswami a nice blanket a shawl, an expensive shawl. He had nothing. And so this would keep him warm and so forth. So with this shawl, he traveled the rest of India keeping long hair and a beard like a Muslim rather than as a Hindu so that he would not be detected. After all, again, he was like the vice president of Bengal. So you're the vice president traveling across the countryside. He kept himself like a kind of... Uh, like a mystic uh, fakir, and <coughs> ultimately he arrived in Banaras. And when he arrived in Banaras on his way to Vrindavan, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was there. 
And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was uh, staying with uh, Chandrasekhar, taking his meals with Tapan Mishra. And uh, he told one of them, Someone has come at the door. My devotee has come. Please, please let him in. Receive him. So they went to the door, and they didn't see a devotee. They said, they went back to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there's no devotee there, there's just this Muslim mendicant with beard and long hair. And Mahaprabhu said, no, let him in. And he went, and he saw him, and what did he do? He embraced Sanatana Goswami. And the others were shocked, and then he told them, you should go now, and uh, finally you've arrived, now you should go and clean up, bathe in the river, shave, and safe, you're in my company now. And he also indicated to him indirectly that he was not pleased to see Sanatan Goswami um, <coughs> wearing an expensive blanket. He indicated that it would not be becoming for a mendicant under his auspices to have an expensive blanket like that. So while he went to the... Um, Ganges to bathe and get shaved. He talked to another fellow there who had this uh, torn old blanket and tried to barter, a, make a trade. Can I can I trade my blanket for yours? And the other fellow said, "What are you mocking me? Kind of, you know, I don't appreciate that. You know, I see you've got an expensive blanket, and yes, I have a torn quilt." And he, and he said, "No, no, no. I want to trade. I actually, yours is better." So naturally, the fellow took the better blanket and gave the worst one. But Sanatana Goswami, under Mahaprabhu's uh, direction, had a different idea of what was better. Hmm. <laughs> better, better is more uh, renounced, something like that. More dependent upon Mahaprabhu, the more secure you are. Lest we are dependent upon other things of the wor of the world and thinking our security in any way lies in that, then the more secure we will actually become. So, in this way, Mahaprabhu saw him with the torn blanket, the uh, patched quilt, and he was very much appreciative. And on he sent him to Vrindavan with instructions. There, of course, in Benares, before sending him on, he instructed him all of the whole science of, of uh, devotional service. And the synopsis of that is given over three or four chapters in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Kaviraj Krishnadas. And his narrative explains the teachings of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to Sanatana Goswami. And then he empowered him to go and establish the places of Krishna's pastimes, to write books on Vaishnav behavior and Bhakti Shastras, uh, establish the worship of the deity and so on and so forth. So there he went to uh, Vrindavan, stayed for some time, waiting for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then at some point he went to Puri. He couldn't wait. And uh, while going to Vrindavan, Sanatana Rupa Goswami perhaps was leaving Vrindavan. Uh, they missed one another. Then while coming to Puri, Rupa Goswami was going back on another road. They missed one another. So they didn't spend time together. The two brothers, they were, Rupa Sanatan in Vrindavan until each of them had gone to Puri and returned. When Sanatana Goswami came to Jagadanth Puri, as he showcased Rupa Goswami before all of his eternal associates there, so he did Sanatana Goswami. <coughs> and Sanatana Goswami exhibited a very extraordinary standard of renunciation in uh, Puri. And Mahaprabhu spoke in Puri about the extent to which he... Uh, expected service from Sanatana Goswami. When he arrived in Puri, he had come through the jungle and he had contacted from drinking bad water some disease and open sores had broken out on his body. So he came to Puri to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but he had decided that he would throw himself under the Rathiyatra cart during the Rathiyatra in this way, give up his life. Because previously, as we have just mentioned, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, out of his affection, affection for him, in, 
in spite of his being unkempt at the time and having come from being in bad association, Mahaprabhu embraced him. And now he had all these open sores on his body, so he thought, if Mahaprabhu embraces me, that, that would be an offense. And he has a tendency to do that. He's so affectionate, looking beyond faults and so forth. So this was his thinking. He went, he remained with Haridas Thakur, who was an outcast by uh, Hindu standards, and um, considered himself like that. He told Mahaprabhu Nija Jati Nija Sangi Patita Adham. I'm lowborn. Nija Jati Nija Sangi. My Sangha is bad. Uh, and um, I'm fallen in every way. Kayami Kene. I don't even know who I, I people call me Gramya Vyabahadu Pandit. In the village, they all consider me a, a pundit, a learned man. But I'm ignorant. I'm a fool. Why? Kayami Kene. Jata Patrai. I don't know who I am. Kayami, who am I? And why I'm suffering from the miseries of material existence. This is how he uh, depicted himself. We come thinking we know so much. We learned a little bit here, a little bit there, or something. The question is, why are we suffering if we know so much? This is Sanatana Goswami's accurate uh, analysis. I know nothing. If I, what do I want in life? I want to be happy. If now I think I've, I know something, and I'm, I'm proud of my learning, the evidence should be that I do know something should be that I'm actually happy. But no. How happy are we? We are all suffering from threefold miseries of material existence. Emotional disturbances, physical suffering. Sanatana Goswami actually became free from all these things. How did he become free from all these things? By placing himself before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu like this. I don't know who I am. I'm a fool, actually. I don't know who I am. You please tell me. What did, what did Chaitanya Mahaprabhu tell him? You are Krishna Das. And a whole philosophy to explain that. What is the soul? What is the body? What is the possibility of the soul? How to attain that? And he overcame all the sufferings of material existence. As the story goes on, we, we, his life will be illustrated further. But he became oblivious to external sufferings. Or, or sufferings that would, suffering is really exists in the mind. You should know this. It exists only in the mind. What is the proof of that? That what is suffering for you is happiness for someone else. So where is it? It's only in your mind that it's suffering. Because you've identified it with this body and have a mental sense of self derived from that, all this confusion. So you're experiencing something. Just like here every now and then we see vultures fly over at the site. Have you seen them? Circle. Somebody's suffering somewhere on the hillside. And what are they saying? Party! There's a party over here! Come on! That's what they're saying. Party! And someone is dying. One is experiencing the suffering of, of dying. The other group is thinking it's a party. Where is the suffering? By, by ultimate analysis, it is only in the mind. How will you become free from this? Mind. This is the trick. How will you become free from your mind? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught this. He taught about Brajanda uh, Nandan Krishna, Krishna Nam Sankirtan, Chitahari, Manohari. This is his name. He steals away the mind. So captivating, so beautiful, so charming. Such is the nature of his Leela. And all this Leela is Brahman, this difficult subject matter to understand. That the sorting through the Upanishads is, is very difficult. Uh, it, it's, it, in its ultimate expression, it's simply beautiful and charming. And even any simple person, child, can hear about Krishna Leela and sing Krishna Nam and understand Brahman more than the big Rishi studying the Upanishads and trying to uh, meditate and perform tapasya and, and so forth. Uddhava says, 
we will realize all these things by taking the prashad, by wearing the garments that you have worn, the flower garland, by taking the remnants of your food. By these things alone, we will conquer over the material miseries. This was taught by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Sanatana Goswami, and he was very learned. So he applied his learning to that and wrote so many books in a sophisticated way to explain this philosophy. It's very simple at its core, as I'm explaining. But if you're not simple enough, not motivated enough, you need to be pushed with so much reasoning from every angle, and so then we have that also. See how he came before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and expressed himself. I know nothing. And I tell you, I, I, he was like a vice president. Even in our country, vice president is a very educated person. What do we know? He can talk about economics. He can talk about uh, this plan, that bill, this, that, uh, foreign policy, uh, so many things. Very learned, very wealthy. For him to come here and fall at my feet and say, I don't know who I am, Maharaj, please tell me. What do you think? Wow, that's, <laughs> that's something. This is nothing goes like that. And who are we? We are nothing. Hmm? But they said the pauper is proud of his penny. We are young, we get a little knowledge here or there or something, and we think we can, that, uh, we can, it's not, we think it is not necessary to apply ourselves fully in Krishna consciousness like Sanatana Goswami did. Maybe there's something better to do that I can give at least part of my time to. We think we know something, but the fact that we don't know anything is evidenced by the the, our, the, the extent to which we are not happy, the extent to which we are suffering from various miseries. And be honest with yourself now, how much you're suffering. So whatever you've figured out in your head to solve your problems, and you're able to convince a couple of other people around you, how far you've actually gotten in terms of becoming really happy, that's another thing. It won't come from that, from what you get in your head or what you learn at the university. It will come from being a pupil of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Sanatana Goswami. And he is, Sanatana is the evidence of that. He actually conquered over the threefold miseries of material existence. What kind of knowledge he got from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? So humbly he kept himself, even with all of that knowledge. Again, this illustrates to us what is the standard of that knowledge. That in the face of that knowledge, he had the knowledge, but it humbled him. Ordinary knowledge, what does it do? It makes us proud. It's a different kind of knowledge. It's so comprehensive that we become humbled in the face of it. We can get this theoretically and become proud, but if we really get it, this knowledge, we become humble. And attractive. Pride is not a very attractive quality. We came to Jagannath Puri, Sanatana Goswami, and this is how he thought, I'll commit suicide by throwing myself under the wrath card. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came, and, in, and he embraced him, grabbed him, and, and through his omniscience he could understand what was Sanatana's idea, so he told him. He said, you cannot get to Krishna like that. If I could have got love of Krishna by committing suicide, I would have done it a thousand times over. Death of this body is a small thing. No, the price is greater than that. Death of the ego. He said, besides that, I have many things I plan to do through your body. Through you, I plan to execute so many, so many aspects of what I've come to, to do in this world. So this is the extraordinary position of Sanatana Goswami. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu fully used his body to do many important things that he wanted to do in terms of his descent, as he told him at Jagannath Puri. And then after he embraced him another time, second time, what happened? All those sores went away. They all disappeared. Everyone was amazed. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a miracle. This way, Sanatana Goswami stayed with, uh, as Rupa Goswami had before him, with Haridas Thakur. Gauranga Mahaprabhu would come and bring prasad to them every day. What is the position of Sanatana Goswami? And then what happened on one occasion? For some reason, Sanatana Goswami 
was traveling to have the darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, forgive me, I forget the exact particulars, but he thought to himself, if I go this way, I'll pass by the, the priests of Jagannath. And it's possible that one of them, I might bump into one of them or touch one of them. And I'm so contaminated and fallen uh, that, that that will be an offense to the priest of Jagannath. So to avoid this extreme of his thinking, again, this is how this kind of knowledge makes one it makes one very humble, feeling insignificant, because it's knowledge of the infinite. And knowledge of the infinite includes knowledge of our, of just how finite we are, or infinitesimal we are, so small, so insignificant, so it's humbling. So instead of going the short route, he took the long route across the beach. And it was about 120 degrees, and the beach was sand was hot and he walked across that and by the time he arrived at his destination in the darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Mahaprabhu saw him and said how did you get here? why it took so 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 long or why you didn't come the short way and he explained and, and Mahaprabhu saw his feet his feet were all blistered and swollen and cut but he was oblivious to the pain. He had conquered over the, all material miseries. This is not like walking on the coals or something like that. Just kind of put your mind somewhere else and walk across those coals and don't get burned. His feet got burned. It's not just mind over matter type thing. I mean, it's something to do with that, obviously. But, but that mind was so far gone beyond matter it is fully embracing the the uh, Purna Brahma, the, su- the supreme Brahman, the heart of Brahman. Manohari completely stolen his his mind by Krishna. This way he became oblivious. So a high high standard of renunciation, he said, hmm. and a high standard of devotion. And he made Raghunathas Goswami drink these things, the nectar of these things. <coughs> And therefore he pays his tribute to him in his book Vilap Kusumanjali. So we should certainly pay our tribute to Sanatana Goswami, especially on this day. He the father of all Gaudiya Vaishnavas. In that he was the, uh, he built the house that we call Gaudiya Vaishnavism under the inspiration, order and empowerment of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He built the house means he wrote the books of the, and, and set the standards for Vaishnav etiquette, behavior, what is the, 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 the philosophy. Uh, he established the, the places of Krishna's uh, pastimes in Vrindavan and de- standards of deity worship and so forth. He made all this, uh, this possible. He's like the architect of the Sampradaya. He formed the Sampradaya, the mantras that we use, the, the Sampradaya for everything. They all come from the collected work of Sanatana Goswami and his, and his assistant, Gopal Bhatta Goswami. He lived ultimately out his life in the Braj, in Vrindavan, and he used to walk through the different forests and surrounding villages, elderly and keeping the shaved head, always. He was called Munda Baba, shaved-headed Baba. And he was so affectionate to the people that it was said that while he was absorbed as he was in such high things as we're talking about, at the same time, village people, if they had a dispute over something, some common thing, they would come to him and it would be resolved. In other words, whatever he would decide, they would accept. If they said, you know, he said this and she said that, and he would listen to both and he would make his decision. And it wasn't like, you know, court TV or something. When the judge decides in favor of one, the other guy's all uptight in the interview afterwards. No, you say, we accept. They had such a regard for him. It is said that news would come about Sanatana Goswami and Rupa Goswami from out of Vrindavan. News would come from people who were coming, that people would ask. If they met a visitor coming from Vrindavan, a pilgrim coming back from Vrindavan, they would ask, 
How are Rupa and Sanatana keeping themselves? They would want to hear, oh, they're sleeping under a different tree every night. Standard of their renunciation is extraordinary. Mathura is a famous place. But to be famous within Mathura, that is very extraordinary. It's all devotees. To be famous amongst them, this is very extraordinary. That's with their position. Dira dira, again, Janapriya priya karo, himatsaru pujito. Both the ruffians and the, and the gentle people loved them, respected them. When Sanatana Goswami would go to a village, it is said that in Mathura Mahatma, it is mentioned uh, there, uh, that the devotees would, uh, village people would run to him, the children would run, and elderly people. And they, out of, they had so much affection for him that they would forget to pay obeisances to him, that he was, a, you know, that he was an exalted sadhu at the same time. They were living amongst them, as one of them, <coughs> but completely lost in his uh, bhajan life. And so much affection that all the people in the Braj had for him that on the day of his disappearance, this day, everybody in the Braj, man, woman, and child, shaved their heads. Again, he was called Munda Baba, Shaved Baba. So they did that in order to show allegiance well, by way of saying, we are all the followers of Sanatana Goswami. It's a very charming idea. So we, we uh, extend this opportunity every, every year. <laughs> every man, woman, and child, you can shave your head if you feel it. There may be um, extenuating circumstances that uh, mandate otherwise. But this is the standard of the, of the brudge. Regardless, obviously, uh, uh, shaving our head is not uh, the last word in professing our um, allegiance to and affection for Sanatana Goswami. So regardless of that, we should, we should try to get some, I hope, from this discussion, some glimpse into why it is that people like me talk about these kind of things and are so... Um, uh, interested in all of these things because there are people like this Sanatana Goswami that, 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 that are, are what this is all about and there's, there's, there's no one more worthy of uh, adherence people like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu God himself coming to, to give such a thing it's said that by Krishna Kaviraj Goswami if you heard about this teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and you don't take it up you would have been better off not living at all. Your position is worse. It's so kind, it's so comprehensive in its scope. It offers you so much. In fact, whatever you may find, and we were discussing this a little bit yesterday, within any other way of looking at the world, whatever benefit is there, if you study carefully Gaudi Vaishnavism, you'll find it's all found here as well, and something much more. So, in this way, we've said a little something, spoken a little something about the oceanic qualities and contribution of Sanatana Goswami. Sri Sanatana Goswami Tirubhav Mahamotsavatiti Kijai. Any question? What's the time? Five to twelve? Five to twelve. Um, there was the five stages of meditation, yeah. and um, samadhi, and the one be below it, it said... Dravana uh, um, Smriti. Yeah, what, what's the difference between the two? Or is samadhi not even considered meditation, it's so beyond it? It's like, I mean, totally being enraptured. It means, um, what it means in Gaudiya terminology is, it corresponds with two stages, one Swarup Siddhi, one Vastu Siddhi. So Swarup Siddhi means... One realizes one's sarup and lives in it while in this body, executing devotional service. He enters into, it takes another birth where Krishna is performing his leela. And then from there, when Krishna collects his leela and returns to Golok, that devotee goes with him. That's called samadhi. The complete stage of meditation. Yadgatvaranivartan teta dhamma paramamama. Krishna says in the Gita, from there, 
there's no return. Shudamarsh once said, theoretically it's possible one can fall from Swarup City. You're still in this world, even when you go to Krishna Leela, it's Krishna Leela in this world, and it's a combination of worldly elements and spirit. I mean, it's, it's only theoretically. It's really not possible, but theoretically. But Vastu City, going back to Godhead, if you will, that it's a, that's like samadhi. That's like when we say with the spiritual master leave, we, he went into samadhi. That's the difference. Anything else? All right, we'll stop there. Again, Sanatana Goswami, Tiruvab, Amut, Titi, Kijai, Bhutte, Manande, Yari, Yari, Bhutte.